Hello and welcome to Come and See, a home-centered podcast-supported Come Follow Me. I'm Sam Rencher. And I'm Wendy Rencher. And this week we are studying Alma 36 to 38. So hopefully you have started those chapters and are enjoying that reading. Um, And there's lots of great principles to learn. Um, So hopefully we can add to your study. These chapters are so awesome. Chapter 36 probably my favorite chapter. (laughs) (laughs) He says that about every chapter every week, but I probably do. But this time it really probably is. In fact, there's more. I probably have more markings for chapter 36 than any other chapter in my scriptures, if that counts for anything. Um, Chapter 36 has lots of principles in it, but one of the primary ones is learning about repentance. And uh, so we're going to we're going to focus on that largely as we go through 36. Um, One thing, one reason I I love this chapter is it packages repentance in this nice, understandable kind of condensed way. And I know repentance isn't always like that for us. Sometimes it's a longer process. But it's a process either way, and we're able to see the entire process all wrapped up nicely in one chapter. It makes it really easy to see the steps and understand what we should do to repent. So chapters 36 through 38 is Alma speaking to his first two sons. We get to him speaking to his third son in 39. Um, He starts out talking to Helaman in the first two chapters and then Shiblon. Um, This is Helaman who becomes the prophet and leader of the church after after Alma. This is the same Helaman that is the Helaman and the Stripling Warriors. And uh, so this is his dad Alma talking to him, having a PPI with him um, right after they've served a a mission together. So I love um, verse one. Just because it re-emphasizes the theme of the Book of Mormon. My son, give ear to my words, for I swear unto you that inasmuch as ye shall keep the commandments of God, ye shall prosper in the land. Now, I mean, really the theme of the Book of Mormon is that Jesus is the Christ. That's the theme of the Book of Mormon. Yes. But if there was a a second um, sub-theme under it, Mm -hmm. it really would be, that inasmuch as you shall keep the commandments, you shall prosper in the land. And this chapter also um, reinforces that. Yeah, the first verse says it and the last verse says it as well. So we're going to go through some steps of repentance and look at some examples. The first step comes from verses 6 to 16. And we read phrases like, I went about seeking to destroy the church of God. Or the voice of thunder and the whole earth did tremble beneath our feet and we all fell to the earth for the fear of the Lord had come upon us. Um, I was struck with such great fear and amazement lest perhaps I should be destroyed that I fell to the earth and I did hear no more. Um, Yea, I did remember all my sins and iniquities so great had been my iniquities that the very thought of coming into the presence of my God did rack my soul with inexpressible horror. And this is Alma. Um, describing to Helaman his conversion story, right? And the things that have happened. So remember, we heard about that story already, some in Mosiah, and now Alma is recounting it to Helaman. Yes. And us. 
So what, what do those things have in common that I just read? It is him recognizing that he had sinned. He recognized that what he had been doing was wrong. That is the first step of repentance. It's recognizing a need to change. It's recognizing a fault. It's recognizing sin. That It's an absolute necessary step. Uh, we must recognize that, that we have need um, of repenting. Um, Alma's is rather a dramatic version of step one with thunder and the earth shaking and so on. But again, this helps us to see clearly the step. Um, and really, all of his story is kind of this way. It's very dramatic and packaged that way. But again, it will help us to see and understand we need to recognize that we have need to change, that we've sinned. Uh, step two is remorse, feeling sorry for our sins. We find it in verses 12 through 16. Verse 12, we've already read some of that one, but he says, But I was racked with eternal torment, for my soul was harrowed up to the greatest degree and racked with all my sins. Verse 13, I was tormented with the pains of hell. Verse 14, inexpressible horror. Verse 16, I was racked even with the pains of a damned soul. I also love in verse 13 where he says, I did remember all my sins and iniquities. How awful would that be to have an experience where you could really remember all your sins and iniquities all at once. That sounds awful to me. <laughs> that does sound awful. It's hard enough remembering them one at a time. Um, feeling godly sorrow is a step of repentance. Now, this is different than just recognizing that we did something wrong. And it's more than feeling guilt. Um, this is godly sorrow. Feeling godly sorrow leads you to want to change. Um, and repent and to not return to that sin. Um, Elder Anderson's new book, The Divine Gift of Forgiveness, covers this step better than anything I've ever read before. Um, if you want to understand better why feeling godly sorrow is important, that would be a, a, a tremendous resource to read through. Um, we should be careful to not get hung up on guilt and let us slow our process. Guilt, guilt isn't very helpful, but godly sorrow is absolutely necessary. Sometimes we'll feel it for a while, and sometimes it's exquisite. That's on purpose. We're supposed to feel that it will help us to not return to the sin. Step three, uh, we're going to see in verses 17 and 18. Um, we could call it a few different things. I'm going to call it faith in Christ or maybe faith in Christ slash ask for forgiveness. Because if we have true faith in Christ, you act upon that by asking for forgiveness. Um, here's some of what the scripture says. I cried within my heart, O Jesus, thou son of God, have mercy on me. Um, let's pause there. So it's not just faith. It is faith in Jesus Christ. That's really important. Um, if we have faith in Jesus, then we act, and that means prayer or communing with God, begging for forgiveness. Can we go back to 17 for just a second? Yes, of course. It says, And it came to pass that as I was thus racked with torment, while I was harrowed up by the memory of my sins, behold, I remembered also to have heard my father prophesy unto the people concerning the coming of one Jesus Christ, a son of God, to atone for the sins of the world. So... 
I loved the phrase that my mind caught hold upon this thought that you read from verse 18. Now is my mind caught hold upon this thought, which is the thought that he remembered his father prophesying unto the people about Jesus Christ, the son of God who would atone for the sins of the world. Um, that's when he wanted to ask for mercy and forgiveness because he was, he was, pointed towards the Savior. When our minds and hearts catch hold of Jesus and are pointed towards him, that's when we can truly start to accept his sacrifice for us. Um, and, you know, he was, he was distressed by the memory of all his sins. But when he is pointed towards Jesus, that's when he's actually able to move forward and to make progress in repenting. Step four. Uh, we can find in verse 18, Now as my mind caught hold upon this thought, I cried within my heart, O Jesus, thou Son of God, have mercy on me, who am in the gall of bitterness and am encircled about by the everlasting chains of death. Um, he confesses to his God, to his Savior, that he's done wrong and that he's sinned. Uh, step four is confessing. And... Um, we must confess our sin to God every time. It is part of the prescribed process. Uh, we may also need to confess to uh, people that we've wronged. We might have to confess to a priesthood leader if our sin could affect our standing in a church, in the church. So, you know, we shouldn't be afraid of this step. Uh, we must be willing to face that um, fear or anxiety or whatever is keeping us from doing it because it, it's worth it. Um, we shouldn't let something that seems uncomfortable keep us from being able to return to God. I think it, that it's that part of that step also as we go through this process that helps us to move forward in the repentance process. So we recognize our sin and then, you know, we have remorse, we feel sorry, and then once we do that, then we can move towards asking for forgiveness. And then once we do that, we can, you know, confess and ask others, you know, for forgiveness and and um, to, you know, try to right that wrong and all those things. I think each step in the process leads us, I guess what I'm saying, to the next step. And that, as we're, as we're again pointed towards the Savior, um, you know, he's the one that helps us to do that. And so sometimes things are uncomfortable if you've made a mistake and, and you have to confess to someone else or you have to tell someone else um, or apologize to someone else. And yet, um, as we do so, Heavenly Father gives us more power to move forward. I totally agree. And those steps lead you to becoming more humble um, if you're not willing to see a bishop, you're really not humble enough yet. Maybe maybe you haven't felt godly sorrow enough. You don't truly have the faith in Christ that you need. Going to a bishop, if you need to, is always a good thing, like always. The sin has already happened, and, and that's now holding you back. But then going to the bishop is, is dealing with that. And um, it shows real humility. It's turning to the Lord, and it is, it's a beautiful thing. I think that also applies if you need to apologize to a family member or to someone else, too. You know, um, 
you already hurt that family member or already maybe that family member doesn't know that you've done something that that you shouldn't have but um, going and apologizing or doing whatever you need to do to right that wrong um, always moves you forward towards God because you're doing your best to follow this process that he's laid out for us. So we have step one, recognize that you've done something wrong, that you've sinned. Two, feel sorry or godly sorrow for what you've done. Number three, have faith in Christ and ask for forgiveness. Step four is to confess um, to whoever and however many people you need to confess to, always including God. Step five, uh, let's read about in verse 24. It says, Yea, and from that time even until now I have labored without ceasing, that I might bring souls unto repentance, that I might bring them to taste of the exceeding joy of which I did taste, that they might also be born of God and be filled with the Holy Ghost. His... I, I love this part because it's that labored without ceasing. So, like... You know, he's like, I know I made mistakes, and yet now I'm doing my very best not to go back to that. Yeah. So his sin at this point was he was trying to destroy the church. That was at least one of them. So what is he doing here? He's abandoning the sin. Yea, and from that time even until now, he, he is laboring without ceasing. He's not going back. And repentance is change. Uh, we must abandon the sin and never go back. That's part of having a mighty change of heart, which is so doable with the Lord. Um, I've met so many people who feel like they've tried to change many, many times and that they've been unsuccessful. Um, but, you know, we what we need is to pray for that mighty change of heart and have the Lord help us because that's that's what makes it so that we can really abandon a sin and never go back. So I, I know it works. I've seen it over and over and over. And um, we need to abandon the sin. It's part of repentance. Let's look at what do you do after that. And, and, and going back to that, really, you know, just remember that, that it is the Lord that softens your heart and changes your heart. It's him that, that helps you to abandon that sin and to be better. And so, you know, if we're repenting, doing everything we can under our power, but not praying and kneeling and, and asking the Lord for his help, it's going to be really, really hard to change in a permanent way. It's, it's the Savior who helps us to change our hearts uh, in a way that we can really abandon the sin and never go back. Yeah, I've, I've heard too many times people say, you know, I'm just going to go it alone. I'll just stop. Um, but, you know, if something's been repeating over and over again, well, there's a reason you haven't stopped is you're trying to go it alone. And willpower for some sins is simply not enough. Um, the Lord must be part of the process. Um, the Lord always has to be part of the process if there's to be a mighty change of heart. He's the only one that can do that. You, you can't change your own heart. The Lord changes your heart. You let the Lord soften your heart. Uh, there's certainly agency involved. But in the end, the Lord is the one that softens your heart. And um, you just need to have faith that in him that he can do it, do what he can.
Let's look at verses 24 to 26. Um, we're looking now at restitution, that's step six. He says, that I might bring souls unto repentance, that I might bring them to taste of the exceeding joy of which I did taste, that they might also be born of God and be filled with the Holy Ghost. 25, um, he talks about the fruit of his labors. In 26, he says, for because of the word which he has imparted unto me, behold, many have been born of God and have tasted as I have tasted, and have seen eye to eye as I have seen. Therefore they do know of these things of which I have spoken, as I do know, and the knowledge which I have is of God. Again, if his sin was leading people away from the church, then his restitution was leading people back to the church, which is what he was doing there. So we must do our best to restore damage for whatever we've done and whoever we've wronged. That's Step number six. Step number seven, uh, let's look at verse 19. And we're going to have this one called forgiving yourself. And now behold, when I thought this, I could remember my pains no more. Yea, I was harrowed up by the memory of my sins no more. Um, this, this is a little bit part of step three as well. It's having faith in Christ. Um, but it because that's an important piece. You, you really can't get to forgiving yourself if you don't have faith in Christ. Um, but this is, I mean, people struggle with forgiving themselves after, you know, committing sin. Or, you know, maybe it's something that you've struggled with for years or years or a long time. And you actually do stop. You actually do have a change of heart. And yet you still feel guilt or or whatever um, because of the things that you've done wrong in the past. Sometimes, sometimes it has been a while, and maybe, maybe even that you've been forgiven by people that you wronged. You've been forgiven by the church, but you don't forgive yourself. And this really is one of the devil's cleverest tools, and it really is a prideful thing. Because we all make mistakes, and if somebody else had made the same mistake, you would be totally willing to forgive them. But when it's yourself, it's hard to forgive yourself because, well, you know better and you should never have done it. Well, that, But that's the case with everyone, and, and it's a prideful thing. It, we, we have to let that go and understand that everyone makes mistakes. You made one, you did your best, and you have a Savior. And we should accept his mercy. Um, we shouldn't deny the Savior's mercy. We should forgive ourselves. It's often a step. It's often one of the last steps people have to get, get through. Let's do one more. We'll have eight steps of repentance today. It is verses 27, 28, 30, and 31. And we're going to call it keeping the commandments. But behold, my son, this is not all. For ye ought to know, as I do know, that inasmuch as ye shall keep the commandments of God, ye shall prosper in the land. If we truly repent, we do better. We strive to do better at keeping the commandments. We become more like God. Um, as Wendy said in that first verse, she talked about that when you keep the commandments, you're blessed. And but... He comes, Alma comes back to it with his, with the last verse as well. 
because it's such an important part. So, you know, if we are truly repenting, we become better. We become better people in all aspects of our life, not just in the area that we've been working on to be forgiven for. So those are eight steps of repentance that you can find in chapter 36. Um, if you want to go back and reread and remark, your scriptures could look like mine, which just have every every spot you could possibly write in is written in, and about every word that could be underlined has been underlined. It's an amazing chapter. So we're going to move on to chapter 37. And chapter 37 is all about record keeping. Um, for the first 20 verses, um, Alma is telling Helaman, here, I'm going to command you to take these records and I'm going to ask you to keep a record of the people and to keep these things sacred. And here's the plates of brass, which has the genealogy of our forefathers. And they've been handed down from one generation to another. They're going to go forth to all of the world. And and then he says this in verse 6. So that's the first five verses. And in verse 6 he says, Now ye may suppose that this is foolishness in me, but behold, I say unto you, that by small and simple things are great things brought to pass, and small means in many instances doth confound the wise. So we quote that scripture, small and simple things, for lots of reasons, and I think those are all applicable and, and certainly correct. Mm -hmm. um, but that scripture was given in the context that I see today of keeping a record. And so um, how are you doing with keeping a record for your family? How can be keeping a record be a small and simple thing? That's a question you could ask yourself. Comments from the gallery over there? Well, record keeping, of course, is a small thing. It shouldn't take very long it, it, um, if you do it, you know, every day. But uh, what amazing blessings when I can look back and read what I've done in my life. And it, it's been a great blessing to me, my my record keeping, the times when I didn't keep a journal, I'm so sad. I'd like I just have lost, I can't remember all the things or I want to remember certain things. I look back and there's gaps and that's heartbreaking. But all the times that I have been consistent in record keeping, it's this amazing, enormous, great blessing, even though it was just a simple, quick thing to do at the time. Yeah, and I think... Um... You know, we think that we're going to something momentous or amazing happens in our lives and we feel like we're going to remember everything about that because it was, you know, some amazing experience. And yet that's actually not the case. At least it's not the case for me. Lots of things that are, you know, spiritual experiences or, you know, really great moments in our family or whatever, they kind of drift away after time because, again, we're mortal and so writing those things down um, can be great at helping us to see God in our lives. Um, I also love verse 7. It says, And the Lord God doth work by means to bring about his great and eternal purposes. And by very small means, the Lord doth confound the wise and bringeth about the salvation of many souls. So, you know, another question for you to think about would be, how does God bring about his purposes and the salvation of our souls through record keeping. Um, and that's, of course, through the Book of Mormon. You know, he's, you know, Alma's talking to Helaman here about the, the records in the Book of Mormon. 
But if we're going to liken the scriptures to ourselves, I think we want to ask, how does God help us bring about the salvation of our souls as we choose to keep a record? Um, and maybe part of it is what kind of record we keep. I, I keep a daily journal and I really love it. It's an amazing thing. Um, but I also keep what I call a small plates journal where I write down more of the spiritual events, things that have really affected my testimony. And I think that small thing um, will be a benefit to me in my life as I'm able to look back and see the hand of God in my life and the hand of God in, in my testimony. But I, I hope, my hope is that my own personal small plates can be a benefit to my children and my posterity later on. Right. Um, verse 8 teaches us why we should keep a record. It says, And now it has hitherto been wisdom in God that these things should be preserved. For behold, here's the first thing. Um, well, the first thing is, it is wisdom in God that these things should be preserved. Basically, God is commanding us to keep a record, right? He's asking us to do that. Which is enough for me. I mean, we should keep a journal just for that. Second thing it says, they have enlarged the memory of this people. So, you know, it, it helps us to remember the things that have happened in the past and gives an opportunity for our children to see what happened in the past. Yea, and convinced many of the error of their ways. Um, interesting to think about how keeping a journal might help you to um, see um, deception or other things in your life that might not be true. Um, and fourth thing, it's brought them to the knowledge of their God and to the salvation of their souls. So keeping a record has, um, gives us the opportunity, um, to bring us to the knowledge of God. And then in verse nine, he says, partway down in the verse, it says their words brought them unto repentance. Um, and again, he emphasizes that is they brought them to the knowledge of the Lord, their God, and to rejoice in Jesus Christ, their redeemer. So how can our keeping a record bring us to repentance? How does it bring us to a knowledge of God and our Redeemer and to rejoice in Him? Those are some things that, you know, you could consider this week as you study. Um, sometimes I think people don't know what to write. Like they're not sure what should I record for my posterity or just for myself. Um, I always ask people, what is it you want to remember two or three years from now or five or 10 years from now or 20 years from now? What are the things that you would want to remember? Um, those things you should write down. I also think writing down your testimony, writing down your spiritual experience, writing down your opportunities to serve others and your growth as a family, uh, writing down things about your trials and your afflictions and how you've seen God um, in your life and, and his hand in helping you to overcome those things. Um, we have so many digital options to keep records these days. A picture record is awesome. And there's lots of ways to do that. I love recording frequently um, because I, I feel like if I don't, those things kind of just slip away. There will be small things that happen throughout the day that I'll write down, you know, if I, if I am a regular journal keeper. And when I'm not a regular journal keeper, I, I look back at the week or two weeks or a month or whatever, and then I'm like, well, I, I don't know where all those things went. I know there were some cool things that happened, but I can't remember what they are. Um, yeah, I agree. I, I look for an opportunity to take at least a picture every day to put in my journal 
to help me remember some of the things that I do. And I just use a, an app for my journal. It's super quick and, and then it's easy to attach the picture. I think in this online digital age, that's the great thing about keeping a journal is you don't have to write it down. Some journaling apps, you can even talk to them and they'll like write your words for you and pretty cool stuff. Super so fast. Um, I love to go back and, and look at, at journal entries and just see, you know, um, what did I write? How, um, what kind of progress am I making in my life? Um, sometimes those things are kind of fun or to share that with your kids or other family members. President Irene gave a great talk in the October 2007 General Conference that would be a great study on journaling. Uh, he said, tonight and tomorrow night, you might pray and ponder asking the questions, did God send a message that was just for me? Did I see his hand in my life or the lives of my family? And that's one thing I think we for, should for sure be writing down is, are we seeing God? Did God send a message to you today? Are you writing down what he's telling you? Um, because again, that goes back to President Nelson's hear him. As we learn to recognize and then record that revelation, um, Heavenly Father you know, will give us more. I think it comes back to the one of the benefits for writing of the verses six to eight that it brings us to a knowledge of God. If we are recording God's hand in our life, if we're recording when we hear him, we are going to get to know him in ways that we wouldn't if we don't record. That's true. Um, Elder Anderson's talk from this past um, April 2020 conference is also a great talk on on keeping a record. He said, embrace your sacred memories, believe them, write them down, share them with your family, trust that they come to you from your heavenly father and his beloved son. Let them bring patience to your doubts and understanding to your difficulties. Um, he says, write down those sacred things that happen to you, um, write down the spiritual experiences you have and the, and the ways that you know that God is real and that he is watching over you. Um, Maybe we go to one last scripture in Alma 37. So much other great stuff, but, you know, 38, sorry, you're going to have to just study it on your own. Um, but this last scripture in Alma 37, so uh, it's verse 46. He says, oh, my son, do not let us be slothful because of the easiness of the way. For so was it with our fathers. For so was it prepared for them that if they would look, they might live. Even so it is with us. The way is prepared. And if we will look, we may live forever. So, you know, don't let us be slothful because of the easiness of the way. Um, repentance, I am not saying is easy, but um, Heavenly Father has prepared the way. And in that way, repentance is easy because he's already provided a way for us to overcome the mistakes that we make. Don't be slothful in recording a history and in, in taking time to journal. Don't be slothful in, in the way you're um, listening and hearing him because the way is prepared before us already. And, and the way is Jesus Christ and he was prepared for us so that we can live forever if we just look to him. I, I think that's it. Yeah, uh, have a great week and thanks for joining us.